Hello friends and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Shiny Developer Series and this is going to be a supersize edition. Why do I say that? Well, today we are continuing our series on taking a deep dive into the recent contest submissions for our Studio Shiny contest. And we couldn't just have one guest explain it, we've got two. So it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the Shiny Developer Series Herman Sontrop and Kent Russell. Herman and Kent, thanks so much for joining me today. Hello. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes, I'm super excited. We got a lot to talk about and we're going to get real geeky with a whole bunch of shiny and web content here. Now, what I always like to start with is for especially our audience that may not be as familiar with both of your journeys. We'll start with you, Herman. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your journey to R and how you discover Shiny? Yeah, I uh, started with Shiny uh, in about 2014, I think, or maybe late 2013. And prior to that, I was just using R. I didn't even know about R Studio uh, during my PhD at Phillips Research Labs in the Netherlands. And somebody pointed to me at work in my new job at Fliss. It's a fraud and uh, risk management uh, company. And they basically said they needed some reports and they, they wanted me to check out. And there was already some markdown thing. And maybe I'd take a look at the shiny thing. I didn't know anything about websites at all or HTML. Didn't know what a diff was or anything. I saw it and I was like, wow, this is pretty nice. <laughs> and uh, looked into it and it was, um, yeah, very exciting that uh, with shiny, you could very quickly make things. And at the time I was sort of perfect candidate in the sense that I really didn't know anything about web apps. So the fact that I could build one was sort of more of a testimony to that, that Shiny platform is really easy to use. And that if you know a little bit about data, you can make awesome things. And then um, I basically started working on this. And then at a certain moment, uh, I saw stuff from Timely Portfolio, which I didn't know who that was. But he did all these amazing widgets. And I was like, wow, what's that? <laughs> and they had their first sort of, uh, I think Joe at that time made his leaflet um, app, uh, but there was no grid system yet. So the 12 point bootstrap grid system, I didn't know what this was. Uh, and there was a, a dashboard by Winston and it had some widgets in it and they looked the coolest. So I was like, what's that? I, I That is awesome. I showed it to my boss. He uh, was almost through the roof. Of excitement so i asked him like sure i saw a d3 graph i said i can do that i couldn't but i was like i want to work on this so <laughs> you gotta find all the ways right <laughs> copy pasted all out of files and yeah i kept going and then i discovered kent's um blog of one widget a week and that was sort of christmas time for me every week because every week there was something new oh, uh, i was a absolutely. lot of javascript so I was an R guy, so I didn't know anything about JavaScript. So mm -hmm. underscore dot dash some function. I didn't know what that was. Uh, I remember going to a developer asking what a diff was, because if I wrap stuff in a diff, nothing happened. <laughs> so it's like, why? <laughs> you know, why are they actually doing this? So I didn't make the connection with CSS at the time. So that was sort of my level. And uh, yeah, I progressed uh, every every week, I would say. Uh, but also thanks to the great work by uh, by Kent, who may uh, yeah, maybe talk a little bit about himself. So for me, it was an inspiration 
to work with the stuff from our studio, but also definitely from the work of Ken. He was like light years ahead of me. And he was very friendly and easy to approach. And um, I basically invited him to work on this app and said, let's do something crazy. I got a crazy idea. And we, we can talk about what the crazy idea is, is in a minute. And uh, I kind of always likes these uh, new uh, cutting edge things. So uh, it was easy to convince him. <laughs> and then uh, we worked on this. And then he did some uh, amazing stuff. And uh, yeah, we're going to show that later. But that's yeah. Kent, uh, sort of uh, all the honor goes to Kent. So um, yeah, that's sort of my story in, uh, in R. And uh, I'm now working as a result as a front-end developer. I really love it. And all thanks to our studio. Great work by Joe and everybody else. Uh, if it wasn't for them, I don't know what I would be doing, but wasn't making apps. Um, and now I'm making apps and I love what I do. So that's, an, that's an amazing journey, Herman. And and I, I'll give a little context, a little history lesson to our audience here. I first met you at the first ever Shiny DevCon and your presentation on how you were harnessing custom CSS custom JavaScript, even at that, I would say, earlier part of your personal journey with it, it had that same effect on me of like, oh my gosh, this is possible? It, it seems too good to be true. But but you were very confident in that presentation you had of saying, no, no, you, you can do this. This is all achievable. And we're going to see today, um, you can take those even up a whole bunch of other notches, um, but but the possibilities are all there. And going to you, Ken, first, this is an honor to have you on one of my media ventures because you were one of the very first listeners to my old art podcast many, many years ago. And I certainly thank you for sticking with me throughout that. And we always tried to find ways to get, get, get you on, and now we're finally here. So, yes, I'd love to hear your, your uh, journey, Ken, to R and, and Shiny as well. Yeah, we'll try to do this briefly, but uh, I admire your persistence and appreciate all the work you do on this. So it's happy, happy to be here and uh, really thank you for all your efforts on part of all the R developers out there. I think it's extremely helpful and one of a kind. So um, let's start uh, eight, when I was eight, I started programming um, that was in basic and been through many languages, never really um, or everything at the surface, not pushing limits in any way. Um, always have used programming throughout my work career. Never ever was uh, programming a uh, in the job description, um, but it was easy to automate lots of my work away. Um, so I embraced that various ways, Excel VBA. Uh, 2008, R um, came or uh, actually I tried multiple programming languages and R came with a very nice set thanks to the work of Peter Carl, Joshua Ulrich and many others, but I definitely want to call out their names um, packages like performance analytics. Uh, I was a portfolio manager at the time and it had things that no other language did. Um, so I embraced R. Little did I know that of all the languages I've ever used, R by far is my favorite and for some reason um, there's a very close connection. I don't know where it comes from, but uh, it makes it very easy and pleasant. 2011, D3 was introduced by Mike Bostock, and simultaneously, Joe started playing around with WebSockets. They weren't even well supported in R. Um, so the fact that they happened simultaneously sort of set me on the path for the last 10 years of JavaScript plus R 
make a very, very nice combination. Absolutely. And what you were saying in the pre-show and, and Herman referred to when you were doing your critically acclaimed and inspiring series of one widget a week many years ago, it was amazing to see what was possible that if you if you explore this landscape of what's been developed, sometimes by very talented, you know, big companies or even just smaller developers in a JavaScript space, and we could bring that into R with the, the bindings and everything, it certainly was another hook for me to look into this world in more detail of front end software engineering, so to speak, with R at, at the back end of it all. So certainly i i've told you before in different venues but thank you for making that series like herman said it was it was inspiring to so many of us so uh, amazing work Ken. <laughs> no it was a lot of fun it did get challenging at times but it uh fit well i think that was 2016 december of 2015 our studio and i want to make sure i call out ramnath Faid, and nathan uh, for our charts which then became html widgets was a very good christmas present in 2015 and i wanted to make sure that everybody um, knew that it wasn't as hard as it seemed um, so thanks to all the people you know credit uh, throughout the show to all the open source people that contributed all the things we discussed absolutely open source for the win as they say it's been obviously a game changer in everything i do as well and, and speaking of presence speaking of giving thanks so i've said in previous episodes that i had a unique perspective in the shiny contest this year because i was one of the judges it was cool to be on the inside so to speak and little did i know in the uh, randomly assigned apps that minne had given me from our studio i see the creation from from you, Herman and Kent, on a very, very fun look at what is very popular, at least here in the States, movie going. So we're going to start taking a little look at the app that you all submitted for the Shiny Contest, Movie Viewer. And I want to make sure before we get started, Herman did 99.9% .9 of all this work. I was My, my role was primarily mental support, so uh, he deserves all the credit. <laughs> That support is sometimes what takes it to the to the finish line, right? <laughs> it's all based on the ideas I can't show before. And so that's what I love about the art community. It's so open and everything. Everybody's very welcoming to other people. So I could make what this uh, based on his work. And I've told him this like a zillion times. That was so awesome. Uh, so yeah, maybe I did the coding on this part. Uh, but the uh, set of ideas definitely uh, came uh, also from Kent. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. But it's sort of a, a testament to what is possible when you when you combine two worlds of JavaScript. And as we'll see in the rest of the, of the episode, that is very heavily JavaScript-based. Uh, but we have uh, pretty good reasons uh, why you could do that. So, um, yeah, maybe you can uh, click around in the app. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to make sure everybody knows this is hosted on shiny apps. So it proves that it is shiny, even though it looks nothing like traditional. Exactly. Shiny. You would never know this is a shiny app by looking at it. And that's and a. It looks like it's just well, disconnected. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, this was also the point of the, uh, when I was at Stanford in 2016, that you don't need, it doesn't need to look a particular way. Uh, if you use JavaScript, so you can make whatever you want. And then uh, 
some some shiny apps they look the same because they basically have a very vanilla selection of the available tools but in my opinion you can make whatever you want with shiny and could still be a shiny app absolutely yep so off the bat it looks gorgeous there, there's i'm saying the obvious here it was easily on the most um visually impressive apps i was judging that in this year for sure and so you've got obviously the the great kind of randomly uh picked the uh, wallpaper at, at the at the background there based on all these different popular movies and it looks like you have a nice little search bar to actually find some movies so i'm going to put kent to the test here my favorite movie of all time is tron so let's see what shows up when you say tron there Ah, memories. Yes. I get, I get the feels every time I look at this. But look at this. You can click through, obviously, the different actors and get their, looks like their, um, their bio information. And look at this. You've got all the movies they've been in. So Jeff Bridges is obviously no stranger to Hollywood. This is, this is fantastic. Data comes from uh, the movie database. So it's an open source uh, project. And uh, you can get a free... Um, token that allows you to to pick any movie title or to select information on movies. So the data comes from an external source uh, and you can use uh, either JavaScript or R to make those calls for you. So in this case, uh, even though it will be easy in JavaScript, uh, R is making the calls and is sending this information uh, through the WebSocket to the front end. And then that will render the data for you. Excellent. And I believe you also have a, a very handy feature in the app to kind of take a look at, you know, other metadata, like you say here, the Academy Awards winners and, and information around that. And also a worldwide view. This really got my attention when this first appeared. So let's uh, tell us a little bit about this feature. Yeah, so what I... We try to, to get some data, so we'll talk about it in a bit, but the point is not what the app does, but wanted to show that you could do fancy things. So this is a timeline of the COVID uh, situation uh, in the world. So this, um, uh, you can see it better if you, if you use the app, but uh, it shows for every day sort of what's, what, what happened on that day, sort of a summary. Uh, so that was um, scraped from a uh, news website. And then uh, with our vest, the package our vest by by Hadley. and the, the, then you have a a three D uh, WebGL globe. It's from uh, Vasco Fosteriani, if I say it correctly. He's an amazing guy. So the the reference to that are in the uh, in the app. And this shows you the COVID counts of today. So these are the the number of people, unfortunately, who died in COVID, and uh, sort of with a sphere, you see. How, uh, how many people are affected or died in this case in a particular region. Uh, and that is hooked up to a custom D3 timeline, uh, which uh, shows you um, uh, also this sort of a, a buildup of, uh, of, of these numbers. And if you would click uh, that timeline, especially in the beginning, uh, you would see uh, the sort of storyline uh, on the left, uh, we'll scroll to the right uh, position for you. So this is something like a custom, uh, custom-made uh, storyline component. And then what is really nice is that um, you can actually um, 
also use ggplot graphics or HTML widgets or any of the shiny things. So if you click, yeah. So here you see sort of a timeline comparison. This is built with a beautify. So we'll talk about that uh, more in a bit. Uh, but what is nice is that you can mix uh, a full view app with uh, single file components to uh, and mix it with sort of regular base graphics or ggplot charts or any of those stuff. And Kent even took that to the next level. And um, yeah, now you need to click the compare button. And then it will uh, call ggplot and make the right call. So if you see the delta, that's sort of the daily change uh, in the numbers. So if Kent can click that. Yeah, yeah, and then Peter froze yeah. for a second. So now you see sort of the you know the, the, the variation in time and the spikes uh, that are there. But the whole point is not like that this app is anything special and what it shows you those a thousand uh, you know COVID apps. So it's not about that, but it's especially the combination of saying um, what if you don't use R to render the HTML. But this is uh, a JavaScript, a modern JavaScript framework, uh, but you still make it as a shiny app. So it's a uh, actual HTML template, but this is sort of the more extreme version of what an HTML template, yeah, what you could actually do. So uh, this shows you, this is, this is a pretty useless chart, but it does show you that if you use modules and then you use uh, graphics in those modules, that that can be done. So this is actually a view single file component that is listening to Shiny in the background if it has anything to render. And when the module says, yeah, so these are two instances of the same uh, module that shows uh, you know, a random selection of the data, uh, of some data, which is from that uh, movie database, uh, that this actually uh, would work. And then in the last, um, uh, part, last page, uh, we provide a little narrative, um, how everything actually works, what you actually uh, try to, uh, which technologies are used, etc. But we also have an accompanying uh, presentation that uh, we'll talk to uh, talk about in a bit. But that's sort of the, the gist of the whole thing. Um, yeah, this yeah, is, so this is amazing like i said there's so many parts of this of of concepts that i try to do regularly but obviously what you, you wrapped it into this unique framework that gives it its unique personality its unique take on serving up these visualizations serving up these image assets and the data that you're tapping into with you said that movie database um there's there's just there's just so much here um so certainly thanks for walking us through this. So, of course, naturally, like me, I'm sure many of our audience, we want to know how did you both pull this off? So I think it's a great time, Herman. You've prepared for us a very comprehensive uh, narrative that we can walk through to kind of dive into this in more detail. So let's uh, dive yeah, into maybe that now. It's, um, interesting to note something uh, about the Shiny uh, website, and especially the GitHub uh, page. It says, if you make Shiny app, you don't have to know anything about HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And it's true because I didn't know anything. And now I can make apps like this, uh, which, yeah, which are nice, I think. Uh, but 
you could also flip that and say, what if you do know something about this? Like Kent, what could you do? So Kent was, he was able to very early on create amazing widgets because he had that knowledge. So it was sort of a two-parter on that. You need people like Kent who can sort of, um, and of course, the whole R Studio team, uh, not to forget, you know, that, that work around the clock to make you the best components and the best options. But the JavaScript world is so big that, uh, you know, if you can tap into the force of the community, like people like Kent, uh, they can also help bring in other ideas or, uh, and Kent showed us what is possible uh, together with Ramnath, what, what is possible with uh, JavaScript. And what I've tried to answer here is sort of like, what if you keep going with shiny apps? What if you keep building apps, right? Do you, how, how often would you then tab into something new? And personally, I think what makes complete sense is that we should not forget that, yes, it's a great tool. Everything is fantastic, but it, but it also creates HTML in the end. So your website right. is HTML. It is JavaScript. You yes. just don't need to know. But the power of Shiny also is that if you do know, you can add whatever you want. And we just took that to, you know, a different setting in which you would say, what if everything is sort of rendered by JavaScript and R is sort of pushing, creating the data, making the calls, doing the hosting platform, what could you do? So in an HTML template, it's sort of saying, uh, it was introduced very early and in, in 2015, I think they, they had this option and they basically said, if you want, you can do all the HTML you want and good luck at that. And I think initially it didn't get that much traction because uh, the appeal is that you don't need to know, but then can and other people like Ramif, they show like, man, you can do a lot, right? <laughs> uh, a lot more and you get really awesome, uh, you know, uh, experiences. They're fueled by data. And uh, I know D3 is also data-driven documents, but that data is usually pretty small that lives inside a D3 component. Right. And, you know, reactive backend, that's a whole different angle. Like, um, and yeah, we basically combine a reactive backend with a reactive front end and said, like, what if view, which is a modern, uh, framework of a framework especially for front end what if that drives the whole app and then with the magic powers of kent we could say we could show oh you can keep almost everything that you had and use this at the same time so maybe in the presentation uh i can go over some some of the ideas uh, that we have is there anything you want to add kent no, I would just say that uh, last episode, Colin and Erica also talked about HTML templates. Um, they were introduced early, and you know, I think because it requires some additional knowledge beyond traditional R, they have not caught on as much as I would think they should. Hmm. Um, but we're all learning and growing together, and uh, you know, I learned JavaScript along the way. It was not one of my native languages. Um, I learned throughout the year and continue to year learn. And uh, I don't have magic powers, uh, except the same ones that everybody else does, and that's GitHub and open source and a very talented community that makes all of this work available. So really, it's just harnessing that power. Um, it's not mine. Uh, 
in any way. It's out there in the collective and we can all benefit from it. Well, another benefit, Ken, I would say is that I think the resources around this are getting easier to get started with. Like your your journey to this, you were on the bleeding edge, so to speak. You were working alongside Ramnath and other pioneers in this space where people like me who have gone really long with just using Shiny and R itself in this context, I'm now at this point where I'm at this journey of trying to tap into the internals, tap into this other ecosystem that we've just been having brilliant people like you can to wrap things for us. But now I'm starting to try to understand a little bit more about what are the ins and outs of that process. So obviously viewer, um, this is a, a great showcase of just how, how that process takes place. And frankly, as Herman, you said, just how far we can take it. So certainly I'm very interested to hear more about the, the interactions you have in this app. Yeah, so what is really nice is that there's been some really amazing work also done by React. Uh, and React R, which Kent is a part of, so maybe Kent can speak later a bit more. I think it was mentioned in previous episodes. But this is sort of a beginning, I would say, of a view counterpart of that. So they are both great frameworks, uh, and, but this is more about view, but you could do exactly the same things with React, and I think uh, some really clever folks uh, already did, and they talked about it. Uh, so, But one of the benefits of... Um, view i feel for beginners uh, in which i was also one of them is that it's very easy to get started so the hello world of uh modern web apps with with these uh, frameworks like view react angular is i think the easiest one to get started is actually view uh depends of course on your on your previous knowledge but they're all great so it's not about picking a winner at all um but here we done we done some work with um, with Vue. Uh, so this app, to be clear to the listeners, the point is not that it does something amazing. There's no pressing business need that needed to get solved. It just shows you the interactions, you know, with uh, modern front-end frameworks like Vue.js, which are extremely popular. So um, and can can take that to the next level. Uh, that he also included some uh, things like Webpack and Vite, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Vite is very, very new. Uh, so the main idea that we had was that you use R for data manipulation, Shiny for hosting and server site reactivity, which it is really good at. Uh, Vuex, uh, we'll talk about in a bit, but it's sort of state management uh, in, in an app. So it sort of coordinates all the events and all the, the data flows, but it's as Shiny, it's reactive. And then we use Vue and Vueify to create components. And uh, Beautify is another amazing open source project. Um, uh, and uh, it, it actually combines the power of view with um, material design. And then of course, if you know a little bit more like NME, you could squeeze in some D3 custom things or some free GS things, which is the, the globe thing. Um, so that's sort of the idea, but to get spirits up, Actually, what we're saying is you only need two functions to do this. So whatever you know in R, use it. Whatever you know or learn in Vue, you can use. Um, Shiny has a special function, which I guess considered a bit advanced uh, use, but it's it's called send custom message. And can actually send some data from R, any data I would say, to JavaScript. 
And with the package by Jeroen Ohms, uh, Jason Light, you get automatic conversion or serialization, as some say, uh, of R objects into JavaScript objects. And with the same library, you can also do the reverse. So you make some sort of JavaScript object and you say, I really wish R knew about this. And then you can send it. So the idea is that you, you, you use an HTML template. Uh, we'll show you how, how, how you need to set that up. Um, there is a function that I created, which is called RViewX set state. It's just a, a very small function we'll get to in a minute, uh, but it actually sends a custom message to the store, which is called ViewX, which we'll also talk about later. And from there, everything is just standard view stuff. So and standard JavaScript stuff. So anybody who knows how that works, they can start tapping into the power you know, of R right away. And what happens is that each of these components, so for the listener, you can think about a component a little bit like a shiny module. It has mm -hmm. its own state. It has its own uh, templating, so the, the, the front-end part, the UI part, and it has its own logic, which is sort of the JavaScript part. And it can listen to sort of the, the Vuex state manager and say, do you have something new for me? So we'll, we'll show you some examples. So let's say you click a movie. Uh, Shiny gets the movie data. It pushes it to the store. And then people who listen to the store say, hey, I got this great movie. Maybe you want to know about it. That will automatically transfer, similar to Shiny reactivity, automatically send the right data to the components, which can then use it to render the component. We also use something which is called an event bus, very familiar concept for uh, a regular JavaScript coding. And this can send messages from uh, and to any other component or any other thing you want. So one of the options is that the bus can also call a small function which uses shiny set input value. And now every component can also talk to R. So shiny.setInputValue, for people who don't know, is a, a function that comes standard with Shiny. It lives on the client, so in the browser. And if you give it a name and some data, that data will come out in a reactive way if it changes um, in the server script under input dollar name. So that's then you have sort of a full circle in which you can send data to from R to JavaScript, have it uh, or, organized with UX and send to other components. And each of the components, including the store, could send messages back to Shiny if it really needs to. So for people who don't know, JavaScript is a, a very modern, very popular uh, JavaScript framework. Uh, it is a slightly newer than um, React. It's a blend of the ideas of React and Angular, and it's very easy to use. So it, I think it became very popular because it was so easy to use and gives equal power. It's not as big as React, but uh, it has over 200,000 stars, of close to, I think, uh, I don't know if they reached the 200,000 mark, but close to 200,000 stars on GitHub alone. So that's a massive population. And it makes it very easy to create very advanced user interfaces uh, with syntax, which is very easy to use. So you could say, why would I do this, right? <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. 
especially when there's so many JavaScript frameworks out there. Like why I sometimes I get dizzy looking at all of them out there. So what is yeah, what, what what I feel is that the JavaScript framework wars are a bit over and okay. people seem to be quite relaxed with two or three big ones. You always have something new. So now Svelte is really popular and hmm. why not Svelte? So here we actually say, why not React? And the answer is, you absolutely could. And if that's what you want to do, you absolutely should. And you wouldn't be worse off. So this is not a pitch for view needs to be the winner or something. We just say it's easy. There was less uh, work out there which does advanced stuff with view on R. So I felt I talked to Ken and say, wouldn't it be nice you know, if we create something? But back to the question, like, why would, why would we use it? It's sort of similar to why would you ever consider doing D3 uh, when you can do ggplot? So ggplot is so amazingly powerful, and the APIs that Hadley developed and the syntax is so easy to use uh, that you would think, like, no, you shouldn't. And maybe you shouldn't, right? So, But if you want to make something really... Uh, special or you want to have complete creative freedom, that's what D3 provides. You can build anything you want. If you can put it on a napkin and visualize it, you can make it. And this was also the idea that I had when I started tapping into the stuff that Kent made. Like, ah, this creates a lot of creative freedom for me. I can really express myself nicely. But I can tap into the other ecosystem from the standards shiny stuff for whatever I need, which I feel is already doing what I want, which is also a lot. So the, the, the only reason here is that you say, for me, creative freedom, but for other developers, I would say, because Vue is so easy to use and it's really powerful. There's a lot of tools around it, like Figma or other tools that you can draw stuff and then say, auto-code this to HTML. And then you get a bunch of HTML, either in Vue or in React. Unfortunately, R is not one of the well-supported things there. So also when you share code with other people, especially if it's more advanced use, they like more straight up JavaScript or um, HTML code. But you can create whatever you want here. So that's a good thing. Like Shiny, Vue is reactive. Uh, Shiny uses on the back end mostly. Uh, Vue definitely does it on the front end. Mm. And in Vue, you compose a front end using components. So like a component is very much like a Shiny module. It just makes your life building complex easy. So sometimes they say, uh, how do you build a complex app? And they say, you don't. You just build small modules that work together, and then everything uh, is easy. So it's also good coding practice to try to decouple things if you can. Um, and what Vue allows you to do is to, to say, you can create your own components similar to Lego blocks or, again, the modules. They can do anything you want. Uh, so we'll take a closer look in a second. But the idea is like Lego, it's very easy to build stuff with. And with simple instructions, you can build a lot. Sure, some things look like Lego. And if you don't change the Lego, it, it definitely looks like Lego. But this is where CSS comes in. You can completely change how things look and you can make it into anything you want. So the idea is that any app is, or any page is built up of one or multiple components and that one component can contain another. So a component could be as simple as the, the also the stuff you have for Shiny, a button. An action button could be a component if you want. It's a small component, doesn't do much, 
but it clicks a button and it serves a purpose. So what is a component? It is whatever you feel is, is right. But usually it's pretty obvious, like it's a, a top navigation bar or a footer or a cart or a little button. And then you can compose more complicated components that contain these sort of components. So in this case, you see a big page, which is one big component. It's, it has three blocks, B, C, and D. And C is built out of two other components and D is built out of three child components, as they say. So you, you could say like, wait, 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 this sounds like awful, like it's a lot of work and it's super hard. That's, and that's how I felt years ago. I was scared to dive into this world, but you're going to sell me yeah. on why I should. <laughs> but I yeah, can, can tell be a little you, overwhelming. If, you, if you show regular, let's say .NET developers, our code with the pipes and everything and say, oh, it's really easy. You know, you just do this and you just have this statistical model and then you, you, you use this boosting strategy and then blah, blah, blah. They all get lost. So they all look equally confused and like, what is this? It is sounds like uh, amazingly uh, complicated. Well, we know like uh, a model, you know, we can do a model, right? Uh, I can do that with one line. Uh, so it, it depends where you come from. Uh, sure, it's scary, but we hope that these sort of guides help you. Uh, those amazing people again, like Kent and, and a lot of other people's uh, people, sorry, that, that know a lot. But in my opinion, as somebody who, who sort of grew up with the shiny world and then trans transformed into more JavaScript person, uh, it's not more difficult than R. It's just syntax. Any package, you need to read how it works. Packages can be very different in the way they're organized. Um, and that's the idea of the framework. So Vue is a framework, a certain set of ideas with code that makes it very easy to execute things. And But there are some great tutorials. Uh, Sean Palling is really awesome. He makes a lot of tutorials on the web. So if you want to know a little bit more, I would definitely check him out. He has tons and tons of free videos, but there's amazing content out there by many uh, people. So it's very easy these days with the popularity of YouTube to start learning, there's tons and tons of books. I would even say there's many, many more books on JavaScript than there are actually on Shiny Apps. So Shiny Apps, there's a few books. So definitely the, the really cool book by, by Hadley. But there is tons and tons of stuff. And just to say, to, to look at a little glimpse of how easy it is. So this is a, a small Hello View app. And what you see at the top is uh, a little HTML snippet. So it has a diff uh, in Shiny, you will write this with tags. So you would say diff and then it will be a function. And then you say ID equals app, and then you get this. Here you you, you look at the, the regular HTML uh, things. So you you need to get used to it a little bit, but once you get used to it, it's very easy. Um, so it has uh, the bottom part is sort of a, a declaration that you want a view component. That's not a component, it's actually a view instance. Uh, and um, a component, to be clear, is a special view instance, but we will uh, get to that in a second. But this says I got some data for you, and it's called message. And I want that to be rendered out similar to the curly braces as they're used in Shiny. Uh, this content in the curly braces, uh, the message thing above, uh, that will be changed and uh, will actually be substituted for the string hello view. Now, the cool thing is, just like Shiny, when that message uh, object gets changed, the template automatically re-renders. So you get that for free, just like Shiny. So it's a very 
nice set of similarities in how Shiny does things and how this does things. So when you know about reactivity, you feel right at home in a framework like Vue. So yeah, this I'll is a slightly, sorry? I was gonna say, I'll jump in. React is a little deceiving because React <laughs> is not reactive, um, strangely <laughs> enough. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> Vue is at its core reactive and there's no way to do Vue. You can't strip it out. So mm -hmm. for anybody that's used to observe event and reactive values and shiny, it's exactly the same thing, except it's in JavaScript. Interesting. Um, so you don't have to add a lot of logic. Uh, you don't have to add any additional frameworks or tools. Um, it just reacts. Like Herman said, you change that data piece and anything that depends upon it will automatically change. And these examples that you're seeing here, um, it reminds me a bit of what I would do in Native Shiny when I would have, say, a combo of UI output and render UI, where I had a placeholder in the UI section. I'm going to change something. The server's going to do it. You got to know about it. But that was all done on server side. So now this is a unique combination of the client side having that placeholder and then your, your, um, your view server side logic is saying, okay, change it with this value and such. Yeah, traditionally in a shiny app, R does everything. Yes. From maintaining state to supplying the HTML. Uh, but what we know is it doesn't have to do everything. JavaScript and HTML can operate without R. And if they can, uh, why shouldn't they? Um, and in many cases, we can unlock this creative freedom or also get a quicker, uh, less clunky result if we handle all of that without passing the message to R through the WebSocket and then wait for a response to come back. Yeah, so this was the whole point. This is another great uh, point that, that it, it becomes also easier. So let's say you have a modal and you close the modal. Does Shiny need to know about this? So the way it could work is that uh, if you make something, uh, you know, you make your own model, uh, modal, sorry, in, in Shiny, that you actually say, Oh, here's a here's something that you need to do, Shiny. You need to uh, close the model for me. So you actually are on the client. Then uh, you go back to the server. Then you listen. Then you say, oh, I guess I need to close it. And you send some data back to the client where you already were, and then it closes it. So uh, you know, if you do that a few times, you just get tired of it because it's like, why am I actually doing this? And you don't need to do this. So it's a lot of data changes, a lot of events that Shiny doesn't need to know about the client needs to know about it. So the browser, the browser definitely needs to close something, but it's not the shiny has to do this. So it's actually very easy. So to come to that, like um, there are some uh, things which are called directives. So in the left example, you see a VF statement. And this is something, a specific view is called a directive. Looks a little bit like an attribute. Um, uh, and it says um, scene. And um, if um, seen in this thing is true, uh, you will see it. And now you can see, now the, the span will be visible. If you say uh, to, for whatever reason, to JavaScript, the value of seen is uh, a Boolean and it's false, then uh, the span wouldn't be visible anymore. On the right-hand side, you can see sort of, we can loop through things. So for instance, in the app, we saw, uh, a whole bunch of cards and they had movie titles in it and some images. And if you clicked on these cards, some magic happens. So here we say, okay, uh, I have an order list and I got a bunch of to-dos and I got an array in JavaScript. 
And remember, you don't need to build this array yourself. You can have R pass it into JavaScript via the custom message. The list or, an, or a vector, for instance, will be automatically converted into an array. So Jeroen Ohms, who made the JSON uh, uh, light package, has uh, great tutorials on how our objects are changed automatically in uh, JavaScript. So you can experiment if, you, if you're unsure what it does. But and the he idea does have magic that... powers. <laughs> There's no question about it. He does have magic powers. Yeah, he does. I don't know where I guess it's from, but uh, I, I wish I had him, but I don't. So this wizardry. So or he has a lot of time. He found another dimension. Uh, you know, and he came back, but I don't know what he does. But he does amazing stuff. So kudos to you, Loon. Uh, who's Dutch, by the way. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I'm also Dutch, but I don't have his powers. Uh, so I guess that's nothing to do with being Dutch. Uh, but the, the list uh, that you see here, um, it will have another directive which say which says. The v4, and this will actually look through the array and for every to do in the to do list. Um, so the to do here is a placeholder, just says the first one, the second one, the third one. Uh, render out a list element and stick it into this order list on our list, and then you see the output that you get below. So this is sort of uh, in our case, we could say the and we will see that in a, in a sec, uh, that the list uh, item could also be a view component. And you could loop over this. So if you have a car component and you say, oh, that's great. You know, I've got a bunch of cards. Here's the data. Loop over this and put them in a grid. For instance, you have a little bit of CSS that says the flex box, you know, make a grid, wrap the cards, stick it in, loop over them, bam. And, you know, five lines, you have that thing. So when, when people inspect, the components that are in our app, they see that it's disappointingly small. And there's not a lot actually going on in these templates to make those looks. It all comes from uh, the possibilities of modern uh, CSS and uh, view and viewify. So to continue, um, if you, uh, let's say you make your own Lego block. So let's say I got a little button that says um, how many times it was clicked. So um, in the middle section, you see a button counter, button counter, sorry. And uh, what is really weird is that uh, this is not actually regular HTML. There is no such thing as a button counter tag in the official W3 spec <laughs> right. of what HTML elements are available. So how on earth is it possible that I get this? And it's very similar to React. You can define your own tags, essentially. And it can do whatever you want. And to be completely transparent on the power of uh, a component, the whole app, in effect, is a single component. So uh, it just contains other components. So uh, you can sort of recursively, you know, add, oh, sorry, um, it can add a lot of more components to it. But if you want to make your own little tag, you can say something like view.component. In a second, we see another way. A better way, but this definitely works. And you call it whatever you want, button counter. And you say you got some data, data is a function here. Um, and I got a variable which I call count. And I got a little template that uses a regular uh, HTML. Could also contain other uh, view things, but at the moment it doesn't. It's just a regular button uh, that you declare here. And now you see an on click thing. And this says, what, what do you want me to do when I click? 
And then it says, oh, you can grab the count variable and add to it. So this is sort of the JavaScript statement of doing this. And then you say, what do you want me to show you? So it says like, okay, put the text you clip me, but uh, I want count to refer to like like in view, sorry, like in shiny, uh, to the actual variable, and then add the sentence times to it. And that should be the inner HTML of the button. And when you actually declare then this button, uh, then uh, you will see that uh, you get a, a nice diff. It looks like an actual button. It is a button, actually. And uh, if you click it, you will see that the text gets changed. So this is how simple it is to make your own component. Now, what does the component need to do? Whatever you want. Which directives are available? Tons. But there's a lot of easy ones. Add click, on hover, uh, set the styling, set a class, you know, uh, make it disappear, stuff like this. So yeah, so starting to click for me for a little bit is that you got these these concepts that as a shiny first kind of learner in this space, components are like the module side of things where you could have as many or as low as you want. And then within view, you've got these mechanisms for different ways of doing dynamic interactions or dynamic interface changes. I saw things in the previous example, or it might be like when I do a conditional panel in Shiny. Or if I did yeah. like a looping through, say, a per list of dynamically injecting, you know, repeated components in a UI, but you're able to do a lot of this with Vue natively, which is really slick. Yeah, and there are tons and tons of uh, other people. So the community of Vue is like amazingly big. Mm. Um, and there's like amazing frameworks like Vuedify, which we'll come to in a bit. Uh, but uh, the the most powerful way, and it's, it's, it's sort of unique to, to view, is a single file component. So Avenue, the creator of view, had the idea that, said, that, that was, why don't we stick the template uh, and the script, which is the JavaScript code, and the, uh, the CSS in a single file? And he says uh, something important, that a separation of concerns does not mean a separation of file types. So he says there is no... We don't have a separate template file and then a separate script file and then a separate uh, CSS file, which you totally could do. But mm. if you make a small button, that's very inconvenient. You know that you now have to have three files uh, that you cannot see simultaneously uh, or small, it's harder. And that uh, this is mentally much easier. So this, in this way, we say, oh, we got uh, data, which says, uh, you know, a greeting variable, which is called hello. I got a little template, which is actually where I declare my HTML. And I basically say, whenever a greeting changes, uh, render it out. And it has something really awesome, which is called scoped CSS. So you say, this CSS, here I say, um, I've got a paragraph tag, and I need you to text align center. If you would do this in a regular uh, global CSS file, every P tag would get centered. And maybe you don't want that. So if I say, oh, the text should be red, and I say something like color uh, colon red, then every, uh, if I'm not careful, every P tag becomes red. Yes. Uh, you can place something in front of this to make sure that that doesn't happen, which is actually what Vue does behind the scenes. So they add some magic numbers you know, to this CSS, and suddenly that CSS is very local, which is very easy. Uh -huh. and what you normally do is you use a framework like 
Beautify, which comes with an amazing set of, you know, predefined styles and all kinds of options, everything you want based on the material design spec. Uh, but you may want to alter it a little bit. Say, I want the text a little bit bigger. Uh, for this one, I want the left corner to be rounded. And you just want to add that into your little button. So let's say you have some, some fancy design and your button needs all square corners except one. And you have this little button component. Now, you can just put that in your scope CSS and then only that button uh, that, that you defined this for, and let's say that was a diff, uh, has a rounded corner and nothing else. Uh, but your browser, that it doesn't know what a single file is. So this needs to be compiled into a more regular JavaScript. And this is what uh, sort of the more fancy stuff that, that we did actually does. So there is either a loader that you use and then you can do it sort of dynamic, or there is a build system that you use, which is called uh, a build tool. And a few, uh, you know, popular ones are Parcel or Webpack or Vite. Vite is the French word for fast, and it's uh, by Avenue. Uh, so there's a yeah. lot of power in these components. A um, lot of stuff yeah. you can do. Yeah, can I go so ahead? I want to stop here. I mean, I just want to stress for those that aren't familiar with JavaScript, this is a module in effect. The template and the style would be in the UI, mm -hmm. and the script would be the server. Um, yeah. Single file components have their own state, just like shiny modules have their own state or own data, meaning that uh, it's all encapsulated unless you want it to bleed out into the parent or the whole app. Um, all of this happens right here, but I just wanted to stress that this is very similar. Yeah, so that's uh, precisely my view as well. So that makes it also easy for the understanding. We hope that it's really, really very similar to it. They're both reactive. They both have the state. They both have some sort of template. They're split in, in different parts. And uh, usually when you make the module, uh, you know, the server and the template stuff or the UI stuff, they can be very closely together, you know, when, when they're actually defined. And you can do a very similar thing here. The only thing here is that the CSS can also be local. If you leave out the scope uh, thing here, then that would mean that every P tag and your uh, code now gets centered. So there's a lot of stuff. We don't have time to go over this. So the, the left uh, side is sort of a uh, lifecycle look. So you could say, like, when the component gets on the page, uh, I want you to do something for me. When the component gets destroyed, I want you to do something for me. So you can tap into this, very similar to HTML widgets. HTML widgets have uh, uh, a bit less options to control various uh, steps in the life cycle, but clearly starting to render and data updates are very important steps for an HTML widget, and you have control over this. I would say here you have even greater control, but they sort of uh, have the same purpose. And then the components themselves, first off, you can stick other components in it. So you could make a button group that contains a bunch of buttons. And each of these buttons is a fancy button that you made with your, with your picture in it or whatever. And if you click it, then something, some magic happened. Props is like a, a reactive variable, um, like data is in, in this example here. Uh, sorry, data. Sorry, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Props is something that gets passed into the component. It's not part of this uh, particular component, uh, but it's uh, it's one way to pass data into it. Data itself is sort of data that gets defined inside the component. 
You can change it from the outside, but you can say there is a count and I'm already telling you it's zero when it starts or some intermediate value that you have. You have also computed stuff, which is variables like, like you would do with reactive things in Shiny. You can have uh, other reactive objects listen to other reactive objects. So saying if A changes, then B needs to change as well. So you can have a computed prop B that uh, depends on something that, that came into, uh, that was passed as a prop into the component. You have methods that sort of like, it tells you what to do. So these are just the regular functions that you would also have in a component, sorry, in a, um, in a uh, shiny module. And you have watchers, which basically say, you need to watch for state changes. And then I want you to do something, some sort of side effect. So similar to the presentations of Joe, a computed prop, uh, sorry, yeah, a computed uh, property is to say, uh, returns always something, some object, something. And a watcher does, does not return anything. You use it for a side effect. So you say, oh, if this variable changes, hmm, I want you to, I don't know, send a message to something else or whatever you need to do here. But it's, it's mostly a side effect. Yeah, so observe and observe event um, would be similar to watch. Yep. I'm making all these connections now as you go through these <laughs> concepts, and it's it's demystifying it a little bit. Now, of course, I didn't look at Vue very much before obviously seeing this app, but it is it is easing the the entry, so to speak, to people like me that are still, you know, trying to up our skill set in, in this space. So this is really cool. So what is really cool is uh, something called Beautify, which is oh. uh, an easy add-on. So this is like you could say, oh, man, do I need to create all these components? That sounds like a lot of work. Well, actually, you don't. So like uh, Shiny offers a bunch of UI control elements, like sliders, you know, modals. Sure. They got even an even big and bigger set and can use them as is. So you just declare in your template file, which we'll show in a minute, you know, that you want Beautify, and then suddenly you have all these options. So you have all these color packs or things to work with elevation or things to work with uh, typography or stuff. And But it comes with a whole bunch of not just styles and helpers, you know, to create CSS, but also all kinds of things like carousels or uh, what have you, right, that you can say, oh, I need this to change, great, do this for me. Uh, progress bars that can be very fancy uh, that you can use, uh, calendars, snack bars, uh, all kinds of things um, that you can use, uh, which are really very helpful. Um, grid systems that you can use, but also tons of form controls. So for instance, uh, in the app, we make use of the autocomplete uh, component, which essentially says, oh, um, when I start typing and you type TR, then it can say, oh, I know what happens. I'm going to ask the backend, do you have anything that starts with TR? Mm, yeah. Clearly, I can do a little uh, quick computation with dplyr and say, get me all the movies, get me stuff, uh, you know, extract uh, the, the title out of it, and then uh, do a regular expression that says, needs to start with TR, and then says, oh, I know it's wrong. Right? But let's say the 10 more movies, then it will automatically populate for you. a. Uh, so if I start typing here and say, oh, I want to know stuff about uh, Bitcoin or whatever, 
uh, bam, it populates that list for you. It has the, the highlighting complete. And it's very uh, quick uh, to do. So if you look at this stuff, this is an autocomplete uh, declaration. And here are some stuff. You have to read the documentation, but it says sort of like, what options do you want? Do you want to see the details? What kind of label do you want? What sort of style? So for instance, solo invert, it says, if I click this, you see sort of an invert in how that looks. If you take this uh, thing off, it will look slightly different. Uh, what options are available? That's all in the APIs that they provide. So that's very good documentation. And it's an amazing project by John Leader uh, and the team. And you can start using this right away. So you don't have to wait until somebody creates a binding for you. Uh, and now you can do it in R. You can just immediately do this in um, in view. Uh, so that's that's a nice uh, uh, option there. So it's uh, an amazing set of um, components they offer. It's built on material design, which is sort of the design philosophy from Google. Right. It's a small company that maybe you've heard of uh, <laughs> that uh, that that does also amazing work. It's maybe not everybody's cup of tea. But you can use whatever you want, right? If you want to use Bulma or straight up Bootstrap, that doesn't change, right? So we picked, um, I picked uh, Beautify because it was easy and I, I happen to like how it looks. But what we say is in no way tied to Beautify. It's just an option that you can select. So if you then look at the sort of classic app, uh, one option is the template option. So it's sort of a notorious option, like, oh, this is where it becomes difficult for most people. <laughs> and uh, this is where, where sort of usually the documentation sort of stops. They say, yeah, you can do it. Here's five uh, you know, paragraphs on how that technically works. And then it's like, good luck with that. And then it becomes uh, really empty, the space of uh, tutorials. These days, it's, it's a lot better. Uh, John, I always, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. Conan. Charles Cohen, yeah, previous guest Cohen. of the dev series, yeah. 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 Sorry for uh, butchering the name, but uh, he was on on the series before, I believe. Yes. Um, he's written a book, you know, about JavaScript and R, and um, it's amazing. I would say check it out. You learn a lot more, you know, on this. But I would say the difference there is that he will show you how to combine uh, to let R um, produce a lot of the HTML still. Sure. In this case. All the HTML is done in JavaScript. There is no uh, uh, shiny uh, control over the HTML. View has total control over everything, and that makes things a lot easier. Again, you can make really cool apps if you combine these technologies. So let's take a, a small look at the bottom section of this. Um, so here you see a card. So card is a little component uh, that we make. What uh -huh. does it do? Whatever we want. So we say, okay, I made a little car component. They are inside, if you check the code, they're inside the WW folder. And then uh, you see a components folder inside. And this has a bunch of different components. And one of them is sort of a person component or a movie component. And this will show you one card. And the card is just an easy, a beautiful thing that you can use. Um, and uh, it, I added a little number to it. So the number, for instance, was a little change I wanted to make to the card for which I use code CSS. I said, only for this card, put a little number there. I'll tell you what the number is. 
So I created some information on popular movies. So this is an endpoint that you can call on the movie database. It tells you what what uh, movies are popular. So apparently today uh, there was this, and you get that information. And now I say to like with the the V4 loop that we saw with the on or list uh, with the to dos. Now I say, oh, I got a bunch of cards, and I need you to loop through it. And then I want you to output them in a grid. So how can I output that in a grid? Well, that's where Flexbox comes in and CSS grid. So this is just model on CSS. And Beautify makes it really easy to use this. So with, if, with just one line, I get this. And then I can bind the click handler to it with that on click event that you saw also in an uh, example of the button counter. And I would say, when you click this, I need you to do something. So Shiny is now sort of, sorry, View is now listening to that car. And when it gets clicked, it says, ah, I know what to do because I'm going to call a method on my component. And this method tells me what to do. Mm. And what I wanted to do is to change the router, which is another, you know, sort of JavaScript thing. Um, so in Shiny, you have to tap set panel and you can make a bunch of pages. And when you click on one of these, so the navigation controls, it will change what is rendered on the screen. And uh, in a slightly more advanced case, you will use a router. And the router is sort of, it has a placeholder in your page. And it says, what do I need to put there? And I say, oh, I know. You know, go away from this page and navigate me to a page that shows me the details, you know, of um, a movie. So, and Herman. I'll yeah. just refer to the last episode too. So the brochure package sort of does this, except router can be not an entire page. It can be a section of a page. Interesting. Um, okay. So it will update just that section, but it's got a history in the browser where you can go forward and back um, similar to brochure, yeah. but in brochure, R is still driving all the HTML. Right. Whereas on the router side, on the view router side, um, view is saying, here's what to populate uh, in that section. Yeah, that's a recurring theme here is that we're offloading some of the stuff that R had to do from many of the Shiny and Shiny related packages to entirely on the client side or on the Vue.js side, JavaScript side. And so R is involved, but it's you get to choose where R is involved here, so yeah, to speak. I think Herman can correct us, but um, you know, all this data was passed from R in one yep. big chunk. I see. So then Vue has access and doesn't need to keep going back and forth saying, okay, I need this actor, I need this actor. Um, all of that's in, capital, in, in effect in a row of a data frame. Um, yeah. And then R will you can pass, pass the that whole row. data frame to, to Vuex, and then Vuex says, I, I can do with this whatever I want. And I know all the movies. So all, all these uh, movies, the information is passed as a single chunk and it's just sent to the store. And now the store says, okay, good luck at that. I don't need Shiny anymore. So uh, in, in this ad, the role of Shiny is, is, in a sense, just to grab data and to bring it over to the other side of the fence, which is the JavaScript side. Uh, but again, a movie, uh, uh, sorry, a, a component can be whatever you want. So one, one nice thing is that in, in Shiny, you have a few options to make pages, but not a lot. I can make whatever I want to change content with the router. So I can make my own tab set panel if I want to, but I can make you know dozens of other things. If I have a, a globe and I, I want that to be the navigator and I click on 
a continent and when you click on a continent something needs to change i can easily do this you can clearly you know utilize uh, you know the router aspect of shiny but it's 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 more clunky i would say to do it once you know how this works so this is um, if you get to that intermediate state uh it's actually easier uh, i feel to do it like this mm. and uh yeah there's no. a lot more you can do so also navigation for instance which is an important element you don't see in shiny I can make certain pages only viewable uh, if you have certain rights. So I can add certain guards, as they are called, that say you're not allowed to watch this thing, but I can do other things with the guard. So I can say to the guard, oh, you know, this spinning globe that takes a lot of you know processing power and it's actually not on the screen. So I need you, if you navigate away, I need you to start doing that, right? You need to stop the globe. So at what stage can I actually tell, uh, you know, my component to do this? And you can utilize certain hooks, as they're called, hmm. uh, in uh, in view and say, similar to these lifecycle hooks, you can say stuff like, when you open, I need you to do this. When you close, I need you to do this. Or when you open, first check this. Like, I actually allowed to see this specific section of the page. So maybe there's a little dashboard that allows you to make changes. And unless you are an administrator, you cannot see that. It would be very easy in my router to say, yeah, unless you have this role, you're not going to see that. Um, so that's that's some power. I, I'm sure you can do it in R as well, but it would be slightly more difficult. Uh, no. again, yeah, Ken, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, I think a lot of people know this, but you when you build a big app, you definitely start to notice. When, say, you have 10 tabs, all with... Uh, big table or plots and other things, they all live in memory at the same time. Yes. Meaning yes. at some point you overload the browser and it significantly slows the performance of the app. The difference in the router is it's only showing that particular segment and any other pieces are forgotten temporarily. So a tab is really just that. It's not a bunch of divs that are hidden, but still in memory. Um, it's just that one section that you particularly focused on that point. So the performance uh, improves significantly. Oh, very good point. Yeah, there was a, 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 uh, another way, uh, which is like, let's say you have your globe and the globe is rotated and you navigate away from the, so you navigate to say the United States and you're happy with where you put that globe. And now you navigate away from the page. When you come back, you can tell view two things. Either make me a new globe and then you get in the state that um, the Kent was talking about, like, mm -hmm. okay, it doesn't remember, it doesn't know the state. Uh, so you just get a new globe, but you can say something like keep alive. And then it, it does do that thing that it, do, it is still in memory. It's not in the DOM. So the DOM is not showing you this. So the DOM is the document object model, which is sort of the, um, the way how the, the browser knows how to build up the page. So, um, uh, but it's not in the DOM. So in the DOM, if you if you go to the F12 key uh, on most uh, laptops, um, you would see the actual code that the browser was making and the structure of the page and everything else it added to it. But uh, if you say uh, V alive, uh, keep alive, sorry, then it will keep the component alive. And when you come back to the component, it will be in exactly the same state as it was before. There's a third way how you can do it. You can tell the store how the globe was rotated and then load in that state 
uh, when you load the component and then say, oh, quickly turn the globe, you know, and this would be a lifecycle hook, for instance, saying just before you render it on screen, I need you to rotate that globe and then show it to me. Mm -hmm. So you don't have this effect that when you click on it, suddenly the globe is still spinning or still trying to do something. It already did it before it actually was shown on it. So this is where these lifecycle methods come in. And also the globe, like this is a canvas or WebGL globe. It's 60 frames per second, even if you don't touch it. So maybe that's a lot of uh, you know energy depending on uh, uh, processing power, depending on what you need to do, especially if you got a dozen of them. So you want to say, if I navigate away from this page, stop doing that. Just freeze, you know, this thing and um, show it to me later. And then when you, for instance, bring in a modal, it will be bodily smooth animations. If that thing is still running and you say to the modal, drop down, it will be like uh, you get like not a great performance, right? It's right. sort of, um, you can see it. Here we show uh, sort of an example to continue uh, uh, that you can match and uh, uh, put ggplot things inside a view com uh, component, if you will. So this is a beautifying model in which we said, oh, I need you to render a ggplot thing as per normal. So the server-side code for this is precisely what you knew before. You can do exactly the same thing. And now we say, okay, I need you to render it right there. So with uh, Kent, uh, this is where the magic of Kent come in, came in. When I did it, it didn't work. And when Kent tried it uh, <laughs> two hours later, it did work. This was a fun we, challenge. Oh, we, I got to hear do, more. Uh, a, a small <laughs> it magic doesn't have story. to be ggplot. So anything that fills plot output will work here. Interesting. Okay. Um, so yeah. anybody that knows plot output, um, in effect, it just it works. You send it, uh, Shiny sends the plot, whatever device you're using over, I think, in static PNG, and then it gets populated. It sounds so easy. What could possibly go wrong? It is easy now. <laughs> it is easy. That's what we show you. So uh, those are a few tricks that you need to know, but we already solved them for you. And uh, yeah, it's nice. So here you see an example of a bunch of beautified components, a bunch of buttons, a button group. So button group, for instance, says if I click on the confirmed, uh, but I was, it's sort of like a, a radio button but it doesn't look like a radio button. So uh, you have similar things in Shiny, of course. Um, uh, you have uh, the, these button groups with a dropdown that you see on the left, so it's called the V-select. And for instance, here you see something uh, they call chips. These are the like Italy and Belgium, that thing. And there's a close button to it. So these are these options that say, oh, I got this close button. What do you want me to do when I press close here, right? And it's up to you what you do. I guess you want to have the thing disappear. So that's the default, but you can change it. You can also change how this looks. You can add pictures to this or whatever you want. So a great thing about view is which is called slots, a scoped slot. So you can say, I don't like the appearance of this thing. I want my own picture in there, or I don't know what, even if you got space, a little YouTube video player, and that that is what I need to have rendered in this thing and you could totally do this so similar to d3 you can do whatever you want now so you can make amazing things so if you can think about it mentally i uh, you know have tools to build it so these are a bunch of i know this is a, a lot for people who have um, not been working on this so it's probably impossible to follow but uh, we hope um, this presentation helps you so components that we have used is 
you know, the single file sort of concepts that we've used is a single file component thing to build things similar to a module in Shiny. The Vuex store, which is sort of a hammer, uh, people should read a little bit on how that works, but it's the Vuex store in uh, Vue is very easy to use, I would say. Um, Event bus, uh, view router, which is sort of uh, changing what is actually on screen. Material design, which is a great uh, set of uh, options uh, created by Google. Beautify, which is the implementation of the material specification. So material says, what should I have? What type of components should you actually build? You need to have buttons. You need to have this functionality and that. And then you can build it. So material is not a implementation. It's a specification on what to build. And then you have teams like the Vuify team that actually builds it out. You have the same thing for React or Angular or any of these big frameworks. Even Shiny has a material uh, library that you can use. And then you get similar components. But then R would create the HTML. It would push it to the browser. And then you can see it, but you can only use what's inside that particular package. So there's a lot that you can do in Vue that you couldn't do with uh, the R material version. Um, and then you got Vue DevTools, which is really nice that you can see all your data. So you can see what's in the store. You can even change it dynamically and say, I, what, what would happen if it changes? And then, boop, automatically stuff um, changes. So we're coming to the end here. So this is sort of what the router is, is doing. So I got a, a V app thing. And basically my page has a top navigation bar and somewhere stuff where the router can do is magic. So we come to that in a, in a bit. And then these are different routes. I got a route for home, which is what you see when you start the app. You have a globe, you have a movie detail thing, you have a person detail thing. Uh, you have some Oscars things, you have some stats about um, uh, the movies. It's a bogus component, which shows you basically what that you can combine this with uh, a shiny module. Uh, and then you have a narrative, which sort of tells you how we've done this. So Yeah, and to confirm the... something quick, Herman, that when you go to the home of that component, when you browse to yep. the movie viewer, these other routers, because they're not in the focus right at that start, they're not executing anything until you click no. to them, right? And that's, that's yeah. again, to Ken's point earlier, Shiny has to load everything on startup. Of No matter how many components you have or modules or tabs in your UI, those are getting rendered first. Maybe they get suspended later on, but they're still on that initial load getting populated first. I hope I'm understanding that right. But it seems like this is a nice little uh, uh, feather yeah, in the Vue.js cap. Yeah. You can dynamically create pages. Uh, if you got a million pages, that would not be a problem. Interesting. So technically, okay. I can make uh, also components uh, dynamically. So yeah, you, you can make uh, a whole bunch of them, and then Shiny will probably be in big trouble. If you try to do this, <laughs> but here, you will be just fine. Uh, probably there's options around this, right? If you if you call Joe Chang, you probably know how to do this. But uh, I don't know how to solve that in Shiny. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Shiny router package, um, but I'm yes. not sure it's... Yeah, I, I haven't played with it. I know Colin cited it as one of the things he was looking at when he was developing brochure, but I know just with typical Shiny development, if you have a large-scale app, which I made a few of in my, in my time, 
yeah, that initial load is longer because of that nature of greedily trying to load everything at once. Yeah, that and passing so much data. Back yes, and forth exactly. JavaScript. That's that's a lot of messages over the web socket. You're you're exactly right. Yep. So you see sort of the sort of the magic part, the HTML template, so the notorious shiny HTML template, which you, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. So this is still a, a very simple file that says it has a hat. We come to that in a second. It has uh, a, a, a main diff in the page, which is called app. It has an ID app, and it uses something called vapp, which is something where Beautify can do its magic. So uh, what does this actually mean? So in the hat, um, we're going to load a bunch of JavaScript files, which you see in a sec. Uh, but one of them is a Vue.js script. And this script um, will actually execute and initialize a lot of things for us. So this is sort of here I close some sections. I use VS Code, which is uh, a great editor to use uh, if you do this kind of stuff. I would say it's a nice companion for the RStudio option. I think they now have newer options in our studio that you can combine uh, the two, but I'm not too familiar with that. Well, if uh, anybody's watched my live streams, I've been doing VS Code for almost everything, and they each have their advantages and disadvantages, but I will say that for the lower level web CSS kind of JavaScript editing, it's been very elegant for me to use. So I always think it's good to have multiple options in your yeah, development toolbox. Like a great option. It does great code formatting for you, all kinds of really nice stuff. There's tons of helpers. So a lot of shortcuts, uh, you know, that you can take. So I can say VBase and then hit tap and then bam, I got my whole view component set up, nothing I need to do. Right. And then you can just start filling in the details. So that's really nice. But if you look at the hat, it has a bunch of script tags. So one of them is very familiar because it's on the documentation. It's the hat content. And here we actually say, I don't want any bootstrap stuff in this. So this app will not utilize anything bootstrap. Uh, it just has a bunch of uh, regular CSS files. We have some stuff for the event bus, for view, view X, view router. These are very classic, like uh, the classic way, the script way, how you would uh, initialize this. You can read on that on the view side and the reference we gave, but the view website says you're running that in thing in five minutes. And then we go to sort of the bottom section. Uh, so um, th this is an interesting part, the 65 thing, which is what I refer to here. So on line 65, we actually say, I want to declare a little Vue.js script. So I'll come to that in a sec. And then here you see sort of uh, the V app thing, which is sort of the view entry point. So in this diff, Vue will put all this content including Beautify stuff. Beautify itself will use another uh, custom sort of tag, which is um, uh, one of these components, that these view components that you can use. And it does its magic there. And here I declare that I want a top navigation bar, which is something that I made myself, sort of a custom component, just like the uh, button counter that we saw you know, a while ago. And I want this special, the router. I say to the router, you need to put your stuff right here. And But I say, and this is slightly different to what Kent was saying, I need you to keep the stuff alive. So because I don't have a zillion pages, I, I, can, I don't need to worry about the performance problem. I don't want that globe to 
snap back to its uh, initial position I want when I when I switch the router to come back to where I was. Um, if you have a zillion pages, you would not do this. Uh, but <laughs> for a small app, uh, I think you're fine. Sure. And uh, this is sort of the the part uh, with the Vue.js uh, file. So for the listeners in the bottom, you can see where you can find the file. So in the left bottom corner, you can see, oh, this file is located at the www directory inside the, the view app. And this is what it does. And now I use some actual shiny code. I say shiny when you actually connect. So when I know the shiny connection is there, you can read about this in the official shiny doc. So here's the reference where you can see that. I need you to do something. What is it that I need you to do? Similar to the hello world thing, I need you to build a new view component. You need to put it inside the diff with an ID called app and then do a bunch of setup things. Um, and I need you to load the top nav component. Uh, we have a, a view loader that we use here um, that says, oh, I'll take that component, which is in the components folder. And I stick it into something like top nav. And what allows me to do that is that now I can use this little thing here and say, okay, Shiny now knows, or sorry, actually View now knows what to do. So it says, oh, I guess I, I will create a top navigation bar here and I'll use that. So, and Herman, yeah. We should probably point out that if we were doing this, we would. We would probably just use build tools and not HTTP view loader. Yes. But this, this avoids a uh, JavaScript build step. Yeah. So uh, Kent, again, used the superpowers to come to the next level. So I asked him saying, uh, I could probably look into it myself, but he can do it probably in 10 minutes. Say, couldn't we use a build system for this? And I don't need to do any of this weird stuff. So this is, <laughs> uh, yes, it's a bit weird to do it like this. I don't think it's a very widespread, but it, it did allow me to to actually use Vue until Ken figured out how to use the build step. Ah, uh, okay. He has the feed stuff set up, so hope we uh, we have enough time to get to that. Ken will show some stuff in a sec uh, that um, that you actually don't need this, but you can. So this is sort of dynamically putting components on the page. Uh, what Ken will show is a build step in which everything is compiled before you actually ship it to the browser into regular JavaScript. Uh, but this requires a special step that he will show. Um, uh, but OK, so what we have here is sort of the, the, the communication process. So let me explain sort of how this sort of works. You can read on what these different things do uh, and, and check out our code, but for the sake of time. So start with Shiny. Uh, you can create. A, a simple R function. So for each function, I tell you where I, I, I put it and if it's R or JavaScript. So you have Shiny. It will call on demand with, with regular Shiny stuff uh, a function, which is called R Vuex set state. And this will actually, what this function does, it will actually send a custom message under this name and it will put some JavaScript in it. Auto unbox just means. Uh, if you actually send that data uh, to JSON and uh, it's an array, but it's an array of only one element, don't put it in an array, take it out of the box. Okay. Essentially, that's that's what it does. Uh, then on JavaScript, and you can see that function defined right here, I say, oh, 
when this message gets sent, I need a custom message handler that says, so this is an official shiny thing, uh, documented and all, that says, when you ever receive this message, this is the JavaScript function I like you to call. Then this function is actually this function, which says, oh, talk to the store and call set state on the store, which is a mutation. You can read about it in the uh, Vuex documentation and pass on the message. Message is sometimes also called a payload, but it doesn't matter how we call it. We send a payload, a message. And when it receives this, I want to use a special thing that's called view.set. And now it reactively sets that state. So let's say I got a bunch of people, persons, and now I say, okay, great. Send that from R to the store and say popular people or popular movies. And then in a component, say the popular component, which had uh, the initial movies that you saw, there's two lines of movie posters. That is a, That was sent by Shiny uh, via custom message was put in the store with the custom message handler. There was only one function here. So the store is amazingly small. It's just one function. And this sets the state. And now can have any component listen to this. So in a component, I can say uh, this dot dot store. I want to access the state. And which state do I want? The popular one. What is in it? Whatever shiny set was in it. Uh, so that's how you do the communication process from R to any component. But any component can also use something which is called a bus. Um, you can read more on it on the documentation links that we sent. But it uses actually the official and uh, approved shiny set input value, which I think now is uh, they also had on input change in the past. Uh, but this is the more official one, and I don't think it will get deprecated. Um, and this will say send some data to R, and then. In, in this case, I say, okay, I call data, I call it data store. So what, this, what does this do? Whenever I, I say send a message via the bus, uh, so I can emit a message with a certain name, uh, that name ends up as dollar input, sorry, input dollar data store in my Shiny backend. Yes, yes. Shiny can get the value from me. So... That's all how it works. I won't go too much into how the store does its thing and how this is officially called. You can see the documentation here. Um, so we went over sort of the details here. You can see how it's used sort of in Shiny. So this is a regular Shiny uh, server function. And I just send a bunch of these things. So this is my custom function. And essentially, it sends a message. So it sends, I don't need to type session send custom message every time. I just wrap it in a little function. I source that function. I do localist true just to say I need that session thing, right? So session is implicit in uh, the calling. So here, uh, when I send a message, it's not a part of this function call. It, it's already assumed that you have the scope on that session object. So that's why I, I source that locally. And um, yeah, then you get it. That's basically it for it. In the slides, which I advise people to read, you see a bit more detail, you know, how it actually works. And now we get to sort of the absolute last part, which is how do we actually get these images? 
to load. So what I mean is some base graphics that you say to Shiny, make me a Shiny plot. And, and how does the modal actually know that that was in? So you saw this comparison panel, which was a ggplot, so the standard graph. The syntax, again, is exactly the render plot function. Everything is Shiny server is the same. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed. Absolutely zilch. Nice. So what you do is we made a little component, but Kent has other components, which do even more magic. Uh, and what I actually say here is I made a special custom component. Again, a component could be anything. So why not a component that knows about a shiny output plot? So here I say, okay, I can give a component a class, blah, blah, blah. I can give it a width and I give it a height. So this is what that component actually looks like. And here's sort of the, the wizardry that uh, Kent uh, created for me. So he figured out <laughs> uh, something nice. So what actually happens is that once the component is rendered on the DOM and the DOM is ready, so the diff is there, we want to send a message to Shiny to say, you need to bind all with a certain ID that I gave it. And what I then do is a trick. I say to, to Shiny, this is called a nonce, I believe, and, and the documentation of Shiny. I send some bogus random value with the ID. And I say to Shiny, when you have that ID, you know I need something. Yeah. And at that moment, uh, this Shiny code actually triggers. So I send this ID. And, and now it knows, Shiny knows, ah, bam. I'm going to render this output, but because the DOM was already ready, because we asked it to be ready, so this is, uh, again, some of the special looks, it was ready to receive, and now, bam, Shiny updates that component. And now you have the real magic. You have the tidyverse working for you. You've got all the power to send the data, auto-conversion from uh, JSON Lite package from Jeroen Ohms, plus this graphics. And sort of this is what it is. And now we come to the more exciting part of the work from Kent. So there was some options, some strategies, how you could mix view. So this is my absolute last slide. So from Shiny, you could say, use the view R package, which is now on CRAN by Kent. What, do, what does this do? It allows you to write some custom view code, but in sort of the, the more classic R way. R is actually pushing that code to the client. So you still have, you're still making a web app in R. Everything is in R. You don't need to touch anything in JavaScript. You clearly need to write JavaScript because that's what it is, but you do it in R. So the second option is uh, you just use view components, uh, but you don't use single file components. So that, that is sort of the button um, click thing that we showed. Right, that um, uh, button counter thing, sorry, that you you define it that way. So you don't need the build system at all. Then you use, uh, this is the version that we used. I'm using single file components, but I didn't want to use a build system because I didn't know how. Uh, so this is what uh, Ken again uh, showed. Uh, but you can, you can definitely do single file components. So this is a nice step as an intermediate, but, as Kent will show now, this is the nicest option 
you can say I can do absolutely everything. I knew there was a bunch of quirks that sometimes the component wouldn't load or I had to wrap it in a diff and otherwise it wouldn't show and I didn't know why. So it had definitely some quirks, this setup. So I don't recommend you do it, but it definitely works in most cases. But this is the nicest one. And then you have the option of using Plumber in which you say, uh, this is an officially supported tool by Studio, which says there is no Shiny app. Right. There is a backend uh, that can serve requests and Plumber is a way how you can very quickly create uh, endpoints like classic REST endpoints uh, with R code. And uh, by by annotating that R code and with amazingly small code uh, and annotations, you get amazing power. I cannot say enough about the good things about R Plumber. I would definitely recommend it. It's an awesome job by, by people who work on this. I didn't know about Aquama when I created this uh, thing. Otherwise, I would have. Mm. But now we come to the exciting part of. of but then it wouldn't have been a shiny app. Of, That's a good point. Do. Yeah, <laughs> you would not be going the shiny contest if he is plumber right now. There are no, no plumber contests that I know so about. The, the, the sort of strange question at the end is: Do you really want to create a shiny app if you can do this? It, it depends. So for the use case that we show, you probably don't because we don't do anything spectacular with the reactivity and the, the fact that the data is in memory. I still believe the thing can't think the same thing. There, there could be use cases in which that is really cool, especially if you don't want to get in hosting. Like if you do Plumber, you need to host it somewhere. So of course. Yeah. Studio has tools, but not everybody has the option to do it. Uh, and maybe they, they have special needs that, that's in some institute and they cannot use the cloud or whatever, but then you wouldn't really need to dockerize the application and then you're in a whole other world and then suddenly you need a lot more tech people and tech skills. But if you want to make a shiny app and do it all, Kent has a solution for this, including the widgets uh, that we didn't talk about because it didn't work uh, until Kent uh, put his magic sauce on it. So Ken, I would say, show the magic. So obviously, Herman, this has been immense work that that you have done with Movie Viewer. Um, certainly, I'm going to point people to this episode for literally getting started with View itself. This is something I have never even thought to look at until obviously I saw Movie Viewer. So this is this is excellent, an excellent tour of what is possible when you venture out into a nice, elegant JavaScript framework that you have succinctly told us that has great parallels to principles that we as Shiny developers utilize every day in our app development. So awesome, awesome job. Um, we're gonna have links to everything you've, you've, you've mentioned here, the slides, all the associated links in the episode show notes. And I will say that if you wanna now know Kind of the real magic on the back end that made all this possible. Tune in for our next episode where we sit down with Kent and continue this conversation. So until then, we will see you next time, everybody.